Hello, I'm Tyler Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson, episode 59, I know. Oh. Um, <laughs> the reason I know that is because episode 58 was not that long ago. Not that long ago at all. Who's that? I'll, I'll tell you who it is. It's my co-host, Josh Long. Hey, Josh, everybody. how you doing? I'm doing all right. All right. Um, so, yeah, uh, you may be wondering why is this episode up so soon? I was wondering that. Tell me, Tyler. I'll tell you. All right. Because the movie that we'll be talking about today is it's in limited release. Mm. I I don't know how well it's doing. It might be doing well for the release that it has, but it's entirely possible that it could be gone before uh, the next episode would normally go up. Before you know it, indeed. Before you even heard of it. Before the devil knows you're dead. And uh, and I don't say this uh, as a way to mock the film but when you and i went to see it admittedly it is as of recording day it is a monday afternoon at four ten. at four ten, and it was just yeah it was playing at uh in one theater in the in the valley and so we went and we were the only ones there now i recognize that does not bode well for the filmmakers i loved it because it means no one's gonna talk and if one person does talk I have control over that situation. It, it might be me. Could be you. One way or the other, the talker gets smacked. Yeah. So um, I got smacked a couple times. But I think I had valid things to say. Well, yeah. But you were like... the texts I was getting. Tyler, who's that guy? <laughs> Donald Miller. Who's that? Uh, <laughs> so, what a weird thing for someone to not be able to follow during uh, this movie. So, um... Okay, and the and also the nature of the movie, it's a limited release, but also it seemed like the kind of movie that we should talk about on the show. And so, um, so I, I had gotten some Facebook messages and some tweets and some emails saying, "Have you heard of this movie? Uh, did you see the movie? It seems like the kind of thing you should talk about on the show." Uh, we actually know somebody that is in the film. And it is uh, you know that I know, yes. But in theory, you could know him That's, if you try. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Seems like a lot of effort. It sure does, man. Relationships, am I right? Yeah, they're they're the worst. So, um, but it's a film directed by Steve Taylor. It is called Blue Like Jazz, and it was based on a very successful Christian book. That I guess it's it's. An autobiography, sort of. Yeah, it's a... I'm not sure what you'd call I it. I don't know. The, I suppose you could call it a memoir of sorts. Maybe that's the way to put it, yeah. But, yeah, it's a little... It, it's kind of... Uh, I think it's a expostulation Whoa. On, uh, on some ideas about Christian culture seen through the lens of one man's experience. Yeah. Uh, the author's experience. Um 
and uh, that's what the book is anyway. Yeah, um, and I think the movie does away with a lot of the you know philosophy. I think it would have been easy to make. So, oh, the book is written by a guy named Donald Miller. As I said, it was very popular. Um, it is overtly Christian. Excuse me, overtly Christian. He is a Christian. Um, the film, if if you're going to make that book into a movie, it very well could have been, say, a documentary about his life and then also the f- various philosophies of Christianity. Hmm. But they chose to make it more of a narrative, and so it's much more just straight ahead, this is his life. Yeah. Um, and that's actually when I first heard they were making the book into a movie, because you and I had both had both read the book earlier yeah. or before, and um, I was a little bit confused as to how that exactly was going to happen. And I think when I first heard that, I thought, well, if that's, I guess that's the way to do it. Um, and I, I, I assume that they would incorporate discussions of Christianity and philosophy into the film mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's how they would do it. And, and that is by and large what they did. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't necessarily skeptical about it, but part of me does feel like it would make for a very interesting documentary because you could use his story and he starts to talk about this philosophy or this worldview. And then you could actually bring in other talking heads to address that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's, and they, it's possible they could still do it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so, so the nature of, and, and if you've read the book or even if you've heard of the book, you'll know that it's, it's very popular amongst a certain type of Christian. And I don't mean to say that in a, like a divisive way, but it's very popular amongst Christians, I would say, of our generation mm-hmm. and ones that might be perhaps artistically minded, possibly liberal minded. Um, and so, like, I remember I it was lent to me by uh, a friend whose name I happened to see in the uh, credits hey, because uh, he was the film was funded through a, a Kickstarter campaign not unlike <laughs> the unemployed mind thanks again everybody we did it and uh, unemployed minds will will be in theaters also and very soon really no that's not true oh man wouldn't that be something yeah i know so um you can smuggle your phone into a theater and watch some of it before the movie starts but once it starts you got to turn it off that's the only way you'll see it in theaters okay fair enough so so yeah, a friend lent it to me, and I and I read it, and it is the sort of thing where I, this this is way too reductive of a, of a way to phrase it, but it's just like it's a Christian that swears that that <laughs> seemed to be the initial novelty that some people had, but you know, and and, and I don't mean to again that sounds very reductive and maybe even a little uh, pejorative, but uh, but it was a very novel thing at the time, yeah, and so. Uh, so it was, it, I don't know, it, it caught the, the ear of people that didn't want to hear the same old Christian yeah. nonsense, maybe, or the same old Christian speak. I feel like it's, yeah. it was trying to be a little bit for the new generation, maybe, and yeah. to kind of reach out to different, to, to people that aren't necessarily comfortable with the stereotypical view of Christianity, whether yeah. or not you are a Christian. And also, the idea of... You know, there are aspects of Christian culture, some of which, by the way, I think don't have really anything to do with Christ himself, but mm-hmm. there are aspects of Christian culture that really do not speak to certain 
attitudes, certain uh, vocations. And so it's easy, you know, you and I have talked about this and I've talked about it on the show before that like, you know, if you're an artistically minded person growing up in certain Christian communities, you can, you can feel very alone. Hmm. Um, and so I remember being really fascinated at the idea of a movie being made of this book because it seemed to me like, well, this could be the Christian movie for people that don't like Christian movies. Mm-hmm like myself, for example. Mm. Um, but I was still, I was still skeptical because the, th- the big thing that we don't like about, or that I won't speak for us, but the big thing that I don't like about Christian film is something that doesn't necessarily have to be unique to Christian film, which is it has a, a good intention and it puts that out there first and everything else is secondary. Artistic quality is secondary, and so it's really overt. Characters talk the way people don't. They they talk in sermon form, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't feel real. And it's entirely possible to do that with the philosophy of of Donald Miller. Um, You know, as long as, like, if you lead with your intentions, if you lead with, uh, you know, a purpose that you have, and that comes before anything else, before engaging with characters and that sort of thing, then you're going to make a movie that I don't really like. And that can go to political, it can go to really whatever. And I, I've said before, I think on the show, that I feel that way a lot of times about issues films because mm-hmm. they're, they're concerned more about getting their idea or their issue across than they are about making a good movie. And I think that happens on two sides. First on the side that... Um, they're so concerned about you don't see the forest for the trees maybe you're you're, Mm -hmm. uh so concerned about getting the issue preached that you're not necessarily recognizing that you might not be preaching it in any kind of effective way but also um from marketing standpoint uh things like that can get sort of thrown out there well can get made because they have that issue behind them that's certainly not unique to christian films i think there are a lot of like uh, niche issues uh, yeah. films that because they have this agenda, they will get made by people who have that same agenda, regardless of whether they're good or not. And you will find this, I'm sorry to bring up a, a political thing, but it is a good example of what we are talking about. Uh, you will find it with films with somewhat of a liberal agenda from time to time. And you wind up with a film like say lions for lambs. Yeah. Did you ever see Lions for Lambs? I didn't. It's not good. Yeah. Um, but it's directed by Robert Redford. It stars Tom Cruise and Meryl Streep. Um, it had a... I don't remember the name of the writer. One of the Carnahans. Um, you know, a, a pretty... Uh, rela- a good writer, but that's the thing is... It was very political and it was about, you know, the war in Iraq and Afghanistan and the... You know, and really like taking conservatives to task and all that and whether you agree or not because i went to see it with my bp co-host my battleship retention co-host david who pretty much agrees with the politics of the film Mm -hmm. but he and i both acknowledge like that was not good Mm -hmm. because it led with that and then it basically just put the words of the writer in the mouths of characters rather than let them speak for themselves and uh and the actors do what they can with it tom cruise does a good job meryl streep really has some stuff she has to overcome um, Andrew Garfield is in the film before mm-hmm. anybody knew who he was. He was very annoying. You wanted to punch him in the face, but I don't think that's his fault. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's not unusual. It's not specific to Christian films and 
it, it was entirely possible that just because I might agree more with this film's outlook or perhaps its approach, it's still possible that it could have been that thing. So I was mm-hmm. still skeptical. Um, but yeah, so you and I saw the film today. And let's go with first impressions. What did you think? Just in a general sense. Um, well, I don't know. I feel like we should, for anyone who doesn't know anything about it, give yeah. a little bit. I think we can give a very basic explanation of what it's about. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, I, I don't, you and I were talking about this. I don't remember exactly how much of this is taken straight from the book, mm-hmm. but it's ostensibly based on the life, the life of Donald Miller memoir, whatever. Um, He's a kid growing up in Texas in a Christian family, uh, ends up going to Reed College in in uh, Portland, Oregon, which is mm-hmm. a very – that's a real college, right? Yeah. It's not like a – okay. I wasn't sure – I don't know it, so I wasn't sure if it's a, a replacement for something else. Um, but uh, yeah, and finds this very uh, environment that's very hostile to Christians, sort of blends in there as a non-Christian mm-hmm. drifts away from his faith and then sort of comes back. Yeah. Um, and to get more specific, what he, he's planning on going to like a, a Baptist college in Texas. He was raised Southern Baptist and really only ever knew other, uh, believers. And so then something happened, something very traumatic, uh, in uh texas and he decides he's going to change his view a little bit so this traumatic thing happens and it does and because he only knows christians it involves fellow christians and he you really get the impression that this really shakes him to his core it's like no no christians aren't this isn't supposed to happen christians don't act like this and so he runs away from it and uh and winds up at a place where you're not going to find a lot of Christians. And he gets some some encouragement from his uh, non-Christian father. Um, and, yeah, while he's there, he tries to retreat from it and uh, so that he can fit in more with other people. But he finds he's having a hard time struggling with this because he still kind of believes it but isn't really sure. And... You know, by the end of the film, he comes to a, a specific conclusion. And by the way, I, as I just said, it's a Christian film. He he decides to be Christian. Um, <laughs> so spoilers, everybody, I guess. But um, but yeah, and it's that idea of him finding finding out that that Christianity is not only a culture, which seemed to be what he was living earlier in the film. Um. But that, and that, when it's only a when it's only a culture that you live in, it's very easy to keep these things going and not actually, not necessarily actually not believe them. I'm sure he believed them, but not act on them, not have them be a real part of your life because it's easy to settle for the more superficial aspects of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he retreats from that and then finds that there's a deeper thing and. And that he, while he was while he was busy judging all of the people uh, that he ran away from, he realized well perhaps judging in general is not a good idea and, and all that. So um, it can be discussed, and we will discuss it later how well it communicates that message. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that's that's the basic arc. It's pretty simple. 
Um, it is, I guess you'd say, a, a character piece because there's not a lot of plot. Yeah, speaking. it's more just sort of following this this character as he kind of goes through yeah. changes in his life. And uh, I'll be honest, with you, I often don't really like that type of movie. I mm. think um, I guess it depends. I feel like I don't generally like memoir type movies. It just mm. sort of follow like here were these person's experiences and weren't they interesting? Like I feel like there's some sort of uh, uh, difference between those and like slice of life movies, which I generally do like. Because mm-hmm. um, I feel like sometimes I feel like in the memoir format. Uh, you're trying to take all this person's life stories and 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 use those stories to make a point. So it almost seems uh, it almost seems contrived in a way sometimes. Like and then this thing happened and then this thing happened and it's like well you you're, you can sort of string together these things that have happened in this person's life yeah. to make it seem like a like there's an arc. And, and it's not, not unusual. So I uh, in school I took a class about road movies. And while this is not actually a road movie, in some ways, it is. It is. It's a, got some of the same elements, definitely. Yeah. Um, because often, what you what happens is a character, something causes him or her to leave what is comfortable and go elsewhere. Some vague idea, usually, mm-hmm. and along the way, they meet various people, and those people are often like archetypes. They're not often three dimensional characters. More, they're just representation representations of a specific type of person that maybe this character has not run across before. Um, and so while he arrives at Reed college and he's not going anywhere after that, uh, you do find that he meets very, he meets archetypes. And yeah. so it's, it's a road movie that's sort of where the road is inside him. Josh, oh, yeah. he's along for a ride in a sense. Watch out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's worth noting that uh, later on in the year there is a uh, an adaptation of uh, On the Road that uh, is going to be coming out. Oh, that's right. Um, I just forgot. So that. remains to be seen in real life, not in the movie. <laughs> right, right. Yes. Um, so anyway, so the film. What uh, now that we've got the basic uh, story elements out of the way, and you said that already you 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 feel somewhat predisposed to not like this type of story what did you think of the film in general i i feel like i enjoyed some elements of it i didn't um i feel like i didn't dislike it for the reasons that i usually like dislike that type of film um and i guess when i do that's not often the fault of the film itself or the filmmakers it's just just my own predisposition i think so i can't i can't fault the film at all by saying it's kind of you know, just this memoir thing. Um, I, from a technical standpoint, um, probably I, I enjoyed the acting. I thought most of the acting was was good. And I'd say I say most, but I can't. Nothing comes off the top of my head that I think uh, that person was a bad actor or that was yeah. a clunker. I, I can't think of anything like that. Um, the writing was pretty natural for the most part, especially for this type of thing for like oftentimes a a Christian movie, especially a Christian movie that's supposed to be like people just hanging around having fun, like compare some of the scenes of people having fun in this movie to 
scenes where they're at the backyard barbecue and courageous. It's so forced and like no one knows how to, how to write yeah. hanging around dialogue at the same time. There is, there is a level in it that is still not quite entirely, uh, honest and not, I don't, I don't feel like that's, I feel like that's not so much the filmmakers doing a poor job. It's it. I feel a little bit of out of touch ness, if that makes any sense with mm. like cool kids in college. Yeah. Does that make sense? And I, and I feel like that's, that might be a, a factor of, or that might be a, 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 the fault of just age of the filmmakers. Uh, that might be just that that's, that's kind of a hard thing to, to do in a movie. I've seen plenty of movies where, you see the people like, oh, here's college kids having fun. And you're like, I, I went to college. Yeah. And people don't talk that way or interact that way exactly. Well, and also, and I went to a liberal arts college. Now, it certainly was not that, partially because there was no real campus to mm-hmm. speak of. It just was a series of, uh, you know, a, a collection of buildings in downtown uh, Chicago. But, uh, but yeah, uh, and so you got people, and, and I was very aware that I was... Uh, in the minority as far as my beliefs and uh and the the topic did not I, what what felt forced to me the dialogue felt okay delivered very well by the actors yeah, i agree but it's usually like how quickly the dialogue goes from mundane to you know philosophy yeah. and that that kind of thing is not unusual mm-hmm. but it, there's usually more of a transition into it in natural conversation. Like yeah. in, in my school, those ty- those types of conversations did come up, but only after a certain amount of time. And it, it almost felt like the filmmakers or the, the screenwriters specifically um, felt a little rushed. Yeah. Like, we got to get to this. Maybe we'll try to sell it in the dialogue that they have about it, but we got to get to it now. And mm. so much of, of the film felt rushed to me. Yeah. Uh, like it jumps from one thing to another, whether it be within a scene or within a part of the character arc. And my first thought was like, whoa, what, how did we get here? Yeah. For me, maybe the biggest jump is when Don goes to school. He's still pretty naive uh, and pretty uh, uptight and all that. And then you get maybe the slightest hint of him holding back a little bit what he would normally say because he knows that this person won't like what he has to say. Mm-hmm. You get the slightest bit of that. And then you see a montage of him getting drunk. Like, w- yeah. And we've seen previously like he would never dream of, of getting... of really drinking at all. Yeah. And now he's getting drunk very, a lot, very casually. Yeah. Um, and it just, and that is like, look, I understand you want to be accepted, but it, we need at least one scene of you finally deciding, yeah, I'm going to take a drink. Here we go. Yeah. Because I think the reality of the story is that there's a little, that is that there is a little more transition for him. I think Mm -hmm. in real life, what happened after leaving, like, him leaving home and choosing this college was a big step for him, but he was still the like Christian boy from Texas. Right. And so there was some time to probably grow out of that. Uh, I feel like, um, especially in a movie where you're, you're trying to go quickly, you do one of two things. 
you either have him as soon as he leaves the home now he's like i'm gonna drink now like he he has chosen the path of rebellion but that's not what it is when he gets there to the college so it's like okay so i guess we're gonna go with more of a transition and then it's not really it's like there's a very brief transition yeah and it it Considering that they're not showing that he's angry about his faith, they're like it's maybe suggested, but considering that he, the idea he's maybe just angry at the people back home who have betrayed him in some way, mm-hmm. um, it, it it surprises me how quickly in the movie at least he seems to just start denying his faith. Right. Yeah, and it's and it's one of those things. I like the path they chose. I prefer that over. The minute he leaves Texas, he's this. I, I, I prefer this one, yeah. except they didn't do it the way it should be done. Right, they didn't have it. And, and maybe there's a cut of the film where that's the case. Maybe. Um, the film comes at about uh, hour 40, okay. hour 45. So it, this type of movie doesn't necessarily warrant two hours, I feel like. Yeah, but I agree. it had about 10 to 15 minutes of leeway where they could have put a few more things in here and there because I, I feel like i would have liked to see that more than i would have liked to see as many scenes as i did of how crazy cool hippie uh yeah. reed college is like there I, there were too many scenes of that for me or i was like all right they have a uh, there was too much of that but yeah maybe I, I just don't like that either like oh i certainly <laughs> don't part of me is like Nobody's going to get any studying done with all this hijinks. <laughs> no, I seriously, I watch, uh, I watch this show Portlandia, which I enjoy because it's mm-hmm. pretty funny, but, um, I, I can't watch more than one episode in a row or I get to this like halfway through the second one. I'm like, these are real people and I hate all of them. <laughs> so it sounds to me like you and I can't go to Oregon. <laughs> That's fine. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you hate all this. It's not calling me or anything. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to see it sometime, but if I'm going to have to be around people who are serious about their hide and seek team, I don't want to, I don't want to be there. That's a real thing. Oh my. Ugh. If you live in Portland, I'm sorry. So, um, <laughs> because they live there or, or because you, we're talking Oh no, I'm way. sorry for our tone, but also maybe that other one. <laughs> we're going to get email. If we get emails about a hide and seek club, that'd be amazing. Yeah. I mean, everyone's got their thing. I have, you know, a job and, uh. A loving wife and friends and passions and that kind of thing you've got a uh, hide and seek club yeah. so anyway uh that's a bad tone i'm sorry everybody <laughs> i hope you know that i am joking of course <laughs> so yes and that and that leads to the other thing is they really try to sell almost in a cartoonish way what reed college is like now in preparation for this discussion i looked up uh some you know reviews of the film and then looked up comments that people had in response to the review and some people said i went to read college it was a lot like that Hmm. and it's like good for you yeah man oh man that is beyond me yeah and so i don't mean to say it's unrealistic but maybe we just don't need that many scenes yeah that's the way i felt about it because i felt like i i am willing to believe that that's that that's the case like from what i've heard and from what i know of portland it's like for anyone who lives in LA, it's like Silver Lake times ten. <laughs> um, okay, so now we're offending Silver Lake. <laughs> no, Silver Lake's okay, but only one tenth as much as we're offending Portland. I'm. <laughs> um, hey, they're people. Exactly, they're just different people than I am. Indeed, and I feel like I would become frustrated very quickly with them. 
which is fine. Fair enough. That's me being frustrated. People can people are welcome to do whatever they want. Just don't ask me to watch. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, and and I do understand like they really do need to. They really do need to establish how much of a different world this is. And there are times that I really... There are times when, like, for example, there's a big hammock-looking thing, but it's it's very large, and it looks like a spider web. Mm-hmm. And characters can just, like, hang out in it. It looks comfortable. And, like, read. And so, like, one of the... So our, our main character, he climbs up to somebody and... and talks with them and that's where the scene takes place mm. stuff like that i i like they make the yeah. slightest reference to it but it's just like you can you can have just your regular scenes in the midst of the craziness without having to address it all the time because after a certain point we're our attitude is just like okay we get it. this isn't weird and it shouldn't be weird to you either you live here mm-hmm. and so um so yeah, I feel like they went maybe a little too, a little too overboard with that. Um, but at the same time, who knows? Maybe it's like that all the time. They just wanted to give us a, a glimpse of that. But uh, well, I will. Some, well, there's some moments when it's effective in just showing him, showing how different he is. At first, yeah. when he first shows up there, I did feel like, wow, this guy is in a is in a totally different world now. Yeah. So like, especially at the beginning there, I felt like it was effective, but. And I do feel like some of the maybe some of the choices as far as like what they had him wear and that how he had his hair and that sort of thing it was almost like all right what does a texas baptist look like Mm -hmm. he looks like this and that might be true it might not be it's Mm -hmm. you know it's stuff like that where i I feel like maybe they generalized even in just the way they dressed him Mm -hmm. um, because he did have kind of a nine-year-old quality to him (laughs) um you're like surprised that he's not wearing a fanny pack the whole time But one thing I did like is, and you know what, and this is just purely a function of recognize, you know, recognizability on my part. They got Christian culture down. <laughs> it, it, it's exaggerated a little bit, but little yeah. things like youth lock-ins. Oh yeah, that's that's perfect. And they they it's overplayed a little bit, but the type of energy that the youth pastor has, mm-hmm. that's solid and then like the youth pastor calling all the kids to the front in the regular service to give his own special sermon to them Mm -hmm. like that's that's about right too like uh there's a lot of stuff that is is recognizable to to christian culture but at the same time some of that stuff i don't like so much because i feel like it it builds the negative stereotype that people have of of christians Mm -hmm. we see two different churches in this movie um one of them we see very little of and uh, is kind of bland but not not uh not necessary not portrayed in a bad light i don't mm-hmm. think the other one is clearly portrayed in a bad light which is his home church in in texas yeah um the few people that we meet in the church are uh <laughs> kind of accidentally make a mockery out of some scripture with a uh, putting on the full armor of God yeah. uh, scene. Um, there's a, when the youth pastor calls all the children up to do their own sermon, it, it suddenly becomes extremely racist for some reason. Yeah. Um, well, it's what it, what it does is it, 
they're trying to like illustrate this like uh, like a racial insensitivity and part of me is like is that part of it is that a, a stereotype maybe it is I, but i've never really experienced it myself yeah and i don't so know it's I, I i don't know i feel like that that if you're a non-christian coming in and you see that and you're like well yeah that's why he wants to leave because that's what churches are like and you don't you don't really ever see anything that says, well, no, churches shouldn't be that way. You see an example of another church that doesn't seem that bad, but right. you're not in it for long enough to really know, and you don't really get yeah. to know any of the characters in that church. Well, you never get to know any of the characters in that church. And the thing that gets me, because I was thinking about it, yeah, I, by the way, my, my saying like, oh, I recognize that, it's all heightened to the point where mm-hmm. it's garish and caricature and to be mocked. And my first thought was, okay, well, maybe since this is told pretty much from the point of view of our main character, the church that comes later and they look a lot more positive, perhaps that one is he's he's got kind of a clearer eye about it and sees that these people can be genuinely good. But part of me is like, well, but that and maybe he sees that first church as a little more negative and false. But it's like, but he doesn't know that at the time. He still buys into it. Yeah. And so I do feel like it's uh it and, it's a flawed thing and it speaks yeah. to maybe some of our philosophical problems with the film and maybe even the book a, a little bit as well. Definitely for me the things are in the book. But um and should we get into that um I do want to maybe single out a couple of thing a couple of uh performances that I really like. First off uh Marshall Allman who plays Donald Miller, I think he does a very good job. I was surprised how much I liked him. Mm-hmm. He makes the character likable. He makes the character genuinely funny. He imbues him with a humanity that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Um, almost all the supporting performance. I can't think of a bad performance, really. No, I can't either. I mean, that's the same um, thing. Like- some of them are a little like uh, uh, Jason Marsden as the uh, the youth pastor. Like I said, he's a little heightened. Mm-hmm. Um, and his performance being heightened in the way that it is we'll speak to the theme that we'll be talking about a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, it's, it has a, a pretty good cast. It's got a couple of, uh, a couple of castaways from lost. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, it's amazing how much, and I've said this on the show before, how much a good actor can sell the reality of any environment, any situation like I said, the dialogue isn't always great, mm-hmm. but anything that is that is there, these actors do a pretty good job of selling. Yeah, and I, and that's a huge difference between this and other Christian films is that they cast people that are clearly not comfortable being in front of the camera, not comfortable being somebody else, and uh, and it's like you can sell even the worst dialogue. Not that that's what this movie has, but you mm-hmm. can sell ridiculous things with good acting and i and that went a long way for me with this film like mm-hmm. i found myself way more invested almost purely as a function of the acting uh than i than i really ever expected to mm-hmm. um as far as uh, technical elements i feel like it's a capably directed film i think it's cut together well um like i said from the storytelling standpoint i think it jumps 
to certain aspects in the arc a little too quickly. Yeah. But I couldn't think of... I don't know. I I hate to keep bringing up other Christian films, Mm -hmm. but that is kind of what we wind up comparing this to. And you and I had, you know, talked about, you mentioned the the backyard uh, backyard barbecue sequence of Courageous, Mm -hmm. and that was just in so many ways awkward. It was awkwardly filmed, awkwardly staged, and I didn't get the sense of any of that here. Like, the... The actors were all given stuff to do, and I believed that they were doing it. Yeah. It was shot and lit in such a way that I believed the environment. It just... Those other... those other To go to the backyard barbecue sequence again, like, they're all just sitting around a table as if they know, all right, a scene's about to start. Right. Let's sit down. Yeah. Whereas this, it does feel like these people are going places. They're, you know... Yeah. There's a Which scene... Is, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say... Which is good, but I think we only say that to uh, maybe hold it up in comparison to some other Christian movies. Because right. I think that is something that it should be expected from Exa- a yeah. film. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> capably, it's capable and adequate, you yeah. know, like a movie should be. <laughs> um, but, uh, and, it's, and you know what? Sometimes an eye for detail can make a difference. Like there's a, a character, there's a scene where these two characters are talking and, and another character sh- comes in and overhears them. And he's standing there at a microwave for, for a couple minutes and it just get, and he's just making popcorn. That's making popcorn is what you do in college. It's just like <laughs> that you get, it, it's like, that's his meal for the day uh, is this bag of popcorn and just, Little things like that, rather than give him something, not that I feel like the film has a great eye for detail, but little moments like that, and little things that sort of reveal the life that this character is living now, one of them, and maybe it's not very subtle, but I do like that they say it without saying it. They show it, and, not, and they don't say it, which is, in the last few scenes, when he's still like struggling, and he's kind of given himself over to being one of, the, one of these types of uh, people that... Uh, they don't like Christianity. They're hostile towards that and all that. Um, you see him just casually just grab a beer. If he is talking with someone, he will grab a beer, offer them one. And it's just, it's just it a fact a of his life. Yeah. It shows a difference yeah. between him and in earlier scenes when he turns down a beer on a moral right. grounds. Whereas, and there's, and there's a scene where he offers a girl, uh, a fellow Christian girl, a beer. And she like, I don't, th- I don't remember if she even says no, or if she just like, refuses it non-verbally but and so in that moment it's just like okay the christian is saying no to the to the beer but he's going to go ahead and have one that might not be very subtle but at least it wasn't said it wasn't you want a beer no thank you what's wrong with you you don't want a beer you know like it's it would have been (laughs) so easy to do (laughs) yeah what are you judging me christian like (laughs) it it could have gone that way and it Mm -hmm. didn't and so yeah it does sound like we are praising this for being a movie, mm-hmm. not being an attempt at a movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so it's something that I feel like I can judge alongside other movies mm-hmm. that like not merely alongside other Christian movies. Yeah. Um, and so when I do that, when I compare it to other movies, I find that it comes up a little short, um, which is why like if I had to give it a letter grade, I'd say C plus B minus. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really... This is probably wrong of me, but I had heard some negative things from friends of ours, and I really expected to go in and not like a lot of it. Mm-hmm. 
And when I saw the trailer, I remember thinking like, this does not look like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and I would, I'm not sure if I would say it was fun, but it was not a, it was not an unpleasant experience for me no, as far as movie going. There are genuine, there are a few genuine laughs in there. There's mm-hmm. some genuine emotion. Uh, the final scene of the film, which is an extended sequence, probably about eight minutes long. And it's just two characters talking. Um, and even then one of them, it's mostly a monologue. Um, I found that to be very powerful, powerful, both the, the fact of what was happening and the performances by both actors. Um, and so by and large, I, I thought it was, I, I think I'd probably recommend it. Um, not as much as I would recommend, uh, you know, other movies that are out there, certainly not as much as I, as I would recommend the companion film for today, <laughs> which we'll talk about in a moment. But, yeah. um, so did you have anything else that you wanted to say about the film itself from the technical artistic standpoint? I don't think so. I think most of the rest of the thoughts that I have regarding the movie are more about its, uh, its theology, its presentation of Christianity and, um, and the church, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into that then. Um, yeah. Okay. So one thing that's been fascinating to read is a lot of people, including you and I in the car on the way back, (laughs) it's fascinating. A lot of people, Christian and otherwise, speculate who this film could possibly be for. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Because, you know, it is an overtly Christian film. Mm -hmm. There's no question about it. But. It's not the kind of Christian film that Christians who go to see Christian films would probably like. Yeah. There's some lang- it's PG-13. There's some language in it. There's you know, there's a there's a lesbian in it who's not seen as completely negative and <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Um in fact, there are there are Christian characters that are seen as negative. There are non-Christian characters that are not seen as negative. Mm-hmm. And so um so this movie really isn't for them, though I would I I'd recommend they see it. It wouldn't hurt. Um, but it also is overtly Christian. And so if somebody is just has a natural aversion to seeing that sort of thing spoken about overtly, mm-hmm. and it's not Robert Duvall talk, saying it in The Apostle <laughs> or Willem Dafoe in Last Temptation of Christ, they might not be that interested. It's funny how there's a sense of, like, if, if you see a movie that's about Christianity but it has an actor that you already like in it, mm-hmm. and you're like, you're willing, like, it's like, I'll trust it from Robert Duvall. Oh, yeah. If there's these people I've never heard of before, I don't know, but I'll yeah. watch, you know, I'll watch The Apostle, I'll watch uh, Tender Mercies. Absolutely. Maybe even uh, Seven Days in Utopia. Yeah. Mm. Well, we're none of us perfect. Anyway, <laughs> some of us have to do favors for friends. But, uh, so it is interesting to think about who the film might be for because yeah. it does seem to almost be a film without an audience. It might be a film for people that read the book in which case one could say it's almost preaching to the choir a little bit. Like it's Yeah. Well, what do you think of that? I mean the the fact that the book was so popular because it, it New York Times well. bestseller, yeah. yeah. So clearly, there's an audience for it, and if it's the same, if it's intended to have the same message, it's probably intended to hit the same audience. Yeah. So, uh, hit the same notes, <laughs> like jazz. Maybe so. Um, but I'd be curious to know what the uh, uh, the um, 
the breakdown is for which, uh, I guess the distribution is for what types of people, yeah. uh, read the book. Um, cause I feel like everyone that I know who's read it was a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, maybe we can go through sort of the different audiences and what it has or doesn't have for them. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Um, um, I wish that, I wish that there was somebody doing some exit polling. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. Why don't they ever do that in movies? I know. Exit poll. That's just, that's just what people want when they're coming out of the theater is like, now tell me about your theological background. <laughs> um, but so for, for people who are say on the far right of the spectrum. So people mm-hmm. who are your Texas Southern Baptists, mm-hmm. um, and if think, you are a Texas Southern Baptist I, and you don't and you feel like you don't fit into this, I apologize for generalizing, but come on. Go ahead. <laughs> well, yeah. Um that's not no disrespect to Texas Southern Baptists. I, right. I know some good Texas Southern Baptist people. Um but as far as what the film has to say, I feel like it will upset some if not many, if not all of them, I won't say all, but some if not many of them. Um because one, it has a, it presents a negative view of essentially everyone. Mm, that that's not that's not entirely true, but uh, it it shows a negative point of view in general of the Southern Baptist culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so it may be, I, f- I feel like it may offend people's sensibilities in that way. They might say like, well, our church doesn't have racist puppet shows, which in all honesty, I've never been to one that does. Yeah. Um, or, you know, the things that happen in this church have never happened in my church. Uh, not to say that they don't happen, but. Uh, I would it, venture to say it doesn't happen so often that it can be a, that it's a given. Exactly. That you can have this scene and it's, it's hey, this is what's happening in churches all around the world. Exactly. And I feel like on the one hand, there are Christians that need to face that, yes, this sort of thing does happen. And that like churches are not immune and people are not immune. On the other hand, if the movie is intended to have or the book is intended to have an at least partial non-Christian audience, it might further a stereotype that people like that have. Mm-hmm. Because if you're if you're totally outside of Christian culture... Um, the things that you hear about Christian culture may be uh, stories of child rape with priests or mm-hmm. stories of these uh, these mega church pastors who turn out to be having a gay affair or one of those things mm-hmm. like that may be what you see of the Christian church. And so then to to start the movie showing a Christian church and start it showing that church in a negative light, I feel like could have a. I don't know, uh, uh, could further that idea of Christianity among, among non-Christians. So, and I, and I feel like the people who will probably be most offended by that are the people who are in that, that camp who are closest to those, uh, Southern Baptist roots. Yeah. Um, what I think, what I think it can have good for them is how, uh, it does have a redemptive at the end, I think has a redemptive attitude towards some of the people within that, mm-hmm. um, within that subculture. Although I feel like it could go a little bit further. Yes, I think so. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, it, 
because you and I were were sort of somewhat. I wouldn't even so much say that we are disagreeing in the car, but we just uh, have different interpretations of how much the film tried to stress its point. And I think, I think its point of not being condemning, not judging, and trying to be conciliatory. I think that is its point. The question becomes. Did it really put it out there or was it in conflict with that message? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, because that's ultimately what that's what people associate with Christians is that we just sit on our high horse, look down on other people and say, I'm Christian. I'm saved. You're not. Screw you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the film says that is not a good attitude. Yeah, which I agree with, by the way. Exactly, um, and I, I will say that because we, we did mention this a little bit earlier, when we were speak, talking about it. But uh, I feel like the the book. I may have interrupted your thoughts on this, so I apologize mm-hmm. if it did. I, I feel like the book was kind of hammering that message, but at the same time, was judging all of those Christians who do that. And that's and that's the thing is that is. Uh, I would say that Josh and myself and most of the Christians that I know and the people that would probably see this movie and enjoy it the most, the people that enjoyed the book, I think it is very tempting. I think I'm sure I've said it on the show before. It is very, very tempting to look at the the Christians that loved Fireproof, Mm -hmm. that loved Courageous, who would never see this movie or really any rated R film, that would never drink a beer. I say that as somebody who does not drink beer, by the way. I don't really drink anything. Um, except water. Propel Zero Grape. <laughs> it's delicious. Wow. So Just threw out an endorsement there. I'm not getting paid to say that, by the way. <laughs> He's like Ron Swanson. He doesn't endorse anything unless he uses it and believes in it 100%. And I, I, I believe in Propel Zero Grape. Any other flavor is terrible. <laughs> Grape's pretty good, though. So, um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So... You know, there are Christians that just, that don't engage in these things, and I feel like we, because we do, because we aren't afraid to see a rated R film or whatever, um, and there's other, there's things beyond that, but that, it, that's often how it manifested itself for me mm-hmm. um, in the churches that I went to. The... The temptation is to look at them and say they don't get it. They're in their little bubble. They're afraid to get out of it, and I'm better than they are. Mm-hmm. And that and it's such an interesting thing. And I think to put it in spiritual warfare terms, which I don't often like to do, but I will here. I can't think of anything more inherently demonic and like a tool of Satan than to meet judgment with more judgment. Yeah. Then you know what I mean. Like some like another Christian says like. You know, you're wrong for watching movies. You're wrong for blah, blah, blah. And you can, by the way, you can correct them. But to be like, they're barely Christian themselves. Hmm. They're not even real Christians. I'm a real Christian. They're not. Like, to to cause this little division. And it's very tempting. You know, every time Hmm. you're the one who, every time the judgment starts coming your way, it's very easy to be tempted to to feel justified in your judgment. It's different when it's mine. Mm -hmm. And I do think that the film 
addresses that attitude right at the end mm-hmm. um, in which the Donald Miller character says, the Bible says not to hate and I have hated. I have hated the people. I've hated my family. I've hated the people that I, you know, where I come from and that sort of thing. And because he says that, now admittedly it's it's one part of a bigger monologue at the very end of a film. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So one could say too little, too late. Um, and that's understandable because it might be the film trying to have its cake and eat it too. Yeah. Of trying to coast and ingratiate itself to us by ju- by showing constant judging of these, you know, Texas Southern Baptists. Mm-hmm. But then, and then we enjoy that. And then only at the very end, it's like, uh, by the way, we were all wrong for doing that. The end, yeah. you know, and it's not totally unlike my review of uh, Cars 2 in which uh, the character of Mater, the tow truck voiced by Larry the Cable Guy, uh, is made to be just an idiot in the first film completely and in like half the second film. And then at, and then like maybe three quarters towards the uh, the end, he suddenly becomes aware of how people see him and we're made to feel bad and it's like no 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 <laughs> no no you the filmmakers created this character to be laughed at yeah every every line you've given him the guy you hired to do his voice the design of him everything about him is made to be comic relief you can't suddenly make me feel bad for what you wanted me to do mm-hmm. and it and i get a little bit of that vibe but I do think that at the very least, the film does address that idea and the character does include himself in that. Mm-hmm. And so because he includes himself and say, I have been this way, I feel like I can't necessarily say that the film is blameless because it still does deal in stereotypes when it comes to a certain type of Christian. But I do think that it actually takes takes a a, a strong step, maybe even stronger than in the book a strong step towards recon- reconciliation in these different, these different types of Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of what I just said? Um, I makes you want to see cars too, right? It, it does. I'm intrigued. <laughs> um, no, I, I feel like I resonated a little bit with the too little too late thing. And I feel like what, and I guess this 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 is maybe part of my my uh, feeling of how the film speaks to non-believers. Mm. Um, I feel like it might go too far in trying to ingratiate itself to non-believers. Um, that it maybe loses some of the the point of why um, why you would even want to spread any kind of christian message to non-believers right um there's clearly no question on whether or not or why we should uh love non-believers because we should love everyone christians and non-believers alike um there's clearly no question of like whether you should hang out with them or (laughs) you know stuff like that Mm. but um i feel like it it wants to I don't know. It's kind of ironic in that the, the character at the beginning of the movie is talking about like when I stopped, you know, acting like I believed in Jesus, it was so, so much easier to fit in. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I feel like I certainly felt like the book fell, fell right into that trap. And I still feel like the movie did a little bit too. Mm -hmm. And in that, like, well, forget about all this, like, you know, like church going to church stuff and like, um, kind of focused on a lot of the bad things of the church. Mm. And this is not at all to say that there aren't bad things in the church. Clearly there are, but if you're going to hammer that message home, the point of that message needs to be that people are bad. Like Mm. churches are bad because people are bad. Right. Um, not because churches, uh, by nature are, are for some reason bad or that that Christianity by extension is bad. Exactly. Um, and I feel like the film never comes around to address that really. I feel like it, it, shows us a person who is a Christian and who is willing to um, to cast off a lot of the things that the, the negative aspects of Christianity that he's lived in mm-hmm. um, such as judgment or such as uh, um, what's the word for when you like seclusion I yeah. guess um, so we see a character realizing that those things are bad and kind of throwing that off and um, also throwing off the idea that you shouldn't carouse with non-Christians or that you shouldn't be friendly with non-Christians. Um, I feel like I'm kind of saying a lot of things without coming to a specific point, but uh, I, I feel as if um, it's trying it, it ingratiates it ingratiates itself to non-believers in saying this is what a Christian should do a, a, a Christian person all Christians should uh, be loving to non-Christians should face a, or fess up to the facts that there are problems in the church mm-hmm. and should uh, be should not judge and should not uh, and maybe should live by Christ instead of by the church mm-hmm but I feel like to a non-believer, this may just seem like a person who casts off the shackles of a, a broken or pointless religion and a, a a bad subculture, and through his own experiences, whether they be spiritual or not, has just learned to love other people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you can, you could totally watch that movie and get that, watch this movie and get that message. And that idea of like, it's like, he's doing this and hey, if he loves Jesus, that's great. Good for him. He seems to not be that interested in having other people do it as well. Um, yeah, it doesn't, it, the idea of the gospel is like good news for everybody and the inclusiveness of it uh, is not really played up. But at the, and I'm kind of okay with that simply because of it being one person's story. Yeah. Um, and that that's not the story that he is specifically telling at the moment for him. It needed to be an acknowledgement that there is a difference between the institution and the belief yeah. and acknowledging that. Yeah. And, and that he put the two together and which is by the way, something that all of us do at some point, Christian and non-Christian alike is that we see what the church does and we say, Look at what God did. It's like, no, people did that. Just because this person is a pastor certainly doesn't mean he's got it worked out. 
and it doesn't mean he by which i mean he does everything right yeah um and i i think you had mentioned before that the the character says near the end of the movie that i did these things mm-hmm. he's con- he's confessing essentially to another character yeah and says like i i did all these things wrong and god's not like that yeah he says god's like, not like me he's not right. like yes yeah and i feel like that is a point at which it addresses like there is a difference between the way god wants us to act and the way people actually act but i i don't feel like there's enough of an effort to i don't feel like there's anything redeeming about it has anything redeeming to say about the church as a body and i think yeah and and that is something that i i did want to specify although i don't have any verses in front of me but the bible regularly speaks about church the church as an entity yeah, you know, and, and, and not co- community. Right, right. We're not saying like your church or like a, right. a specific church building. Certainly not. Yeah. Um, uh, when I'm saying church, and I think you're on the same page as me, we're talking about the community of believers, which is right. everyone who's a who's a Christian. Which they are they are together as a body, whether you like it or not. And I think that uh, later in that uh, in that monologue scene. Uh, he does talk about how he was ashamed of where he came from. Mm -hmm. And he was ashamed of this, that, and the other. And then he said, you know, and ultimately I realized that I was ashamed of Jesus. And that is what will, I think that's what can happen if we get these things intermingled and confused with one another. Mm -hmm. Is that if the church does wrong, if we come to feel like the church is not merely a, you know, a flawed representation of of christ's love in the world and start to see it as point for point this is christ's love in the world and then we and then something terrible happens then it's like oh i'm ashamed of that and i'm ashamed of christ and the two aren't necessarily connected i mean when a church is doing great things i feel like you can really see jesus there Mm -hmm. but there is a difference yeah and uh and i feel like the film and i feel like it, it could have that's that was his that was the message of the film because it cuts to it smash cuts to black not long after mm-hmm. and that is the fu- that's basically the final word so so if that is the theme of the film i feel like it could have done a better job of that like it does it does a pretty good job of showing him distancing himself from it personally but we didn't see a whole lot of him really actively judging other christians mm-hmm. we get him upset with uh I don't know how specific to get. The person that did the the thing in Texas that got him so upset and caused him to go away to read college, um, he gets mad at that person, which, by the way, he should. Mm-hmm. What that person did was very much was very wrong, hypocritical, and the person didn't admit it until they literally had no choice but to do so. And that's there's nothing wrong with saying that something is wrong. But judgment comes when you say that was wrong and I could never do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's when you put yourself above somebody else. And we don't really, we get a little bit of that for that person, but it feels somewhat justified. Not that I think it is, but it, it feels that way. Mm-hmm. What I would like to see is more of just straight up, just a hate, almost just a hateful, almost vitriolic, um, it can even be just one monologue. Um, 
towards people, towards the the institution of the church, and and you know you could use that to reveal character and reveal just how passionate he is and how betrayed he feels. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could also show that, wow, this is real hate. And this is what it looks like, and this isn't Christian at all. Yeah, and there is there is when he is distancing himself from Christianity, we hear him saying things that like uh, that someone who doesn't believe in God might say, right? Um, but that's shortly after monologue where he talks about pretending that he's not being pretending that he's not a Christian and how that makes him fit in. Mm-hmm. So to me, that stuff reads more as like, oh, I'll just blend in, right? Um, and not so much as he's actually questioning his faith, right? And so, um, so yeah, it's, uh, it is, it is, it can be, I think a little divided against itself because it, it wants to portray the life that he is coming from and specifically the culture that he's coming from as not being the most positive culture. And that can happen. I won't say it always does happen, but it's, it's a very well documented fact that a certain type of American Christianity, I won't specify Southern, Midwest, or anything like that, a very specific type of American Christianity, it is very much in a, it can be very much in a bubble, mm-hmm. um, and has no, and seems to, for some reason, think itself better than other people, and there have been plenty of indictments of that. Yeah. See the movie Saved, watch the, don't watch, don't see it but uh there's a show right now called uh gcb Mm. that has been discussed by two bloggers on the uh more than one lesson website so Mm. seek that out um and so yeah go ahead there can be i feel like there have been examples of uh in film of a christian subculture that is flawed yet is still um like we can still love them Mm -hmm. like a I think it should be obvious from watching movies ever that you don't have to that if someone's flawed you don't have to hate that character you don't have to present them as horrible right um and so it's the same thing with any kind of group of people like I think of uh um I think sort of the church group in Juno uh, not Juno Junebug Junebug yes <laughs> um that's one that kind of felt like that to me uh, mm-hmm. and um there was another that came to mind. I don't. It's never explicitly stated, but I feel like in the film Lars and the Real Girl, there's there's a the sense that there's maybe a Christian community there. I feel like maybe something happens at a church. Um, uh, maybe there is a movie uh, that my wife is a big fan of. I like it. Uh, it's called Sweetland, and uh, it's it is very good. And there is very much a, a church community there that that is judgmental, uh, but eventually by. And this is the other thing, by the way, I wanted to, to mention this. Um, the church in Sweetland, which is not the companion film, I just happened to bring it up. The church in Sweetland, they actually get over their judgmental attitude by embracing the Bible more, not less. Hmm. And that's something that I, I recently read a, an article in, on CNN.com in which somebody said, like, I'm going to raise my kid to be religious, but not too religious. And it's like, well, I understand what you're saying. Like, I understand what you're talking about, which is, you know, the word religious does have a very specific connotation of somebody who just observes all, observes all the things that he or she is supposed to do without mm-hmm. ever it ever actually meaning anything. Yeah. So I understand that. But at the same time, you uh, you hear things like it's like uh, he's not it's like I don't want to be like too Christian. It's like, well, to be too Christian 
I don't think there is such a thing as too Christian. Like the more you embrace the Bible, the more you embrace Christianity, the less of all these negative things you'll be like the cure for all of the, it's interesting. The cure for all of the ills that Christianity or specifically the church can cause is actual Christianity. Yeah. The cure for false Christianity is real Christianity, not no Christianity. Yeah. So, um, and again, I think leading back to the film, it, the, you could get from this film potentially that the, the cure to, um, all the uh, the problems that that the church can be infected with is self discovery mm-hmm. or something like that. Um. And I do think, and I that's the thing is that like we're talking about how how the film could better illustrate its message. I do agree with its message, and there I'm sure there are plenty of people that come away, and that last scene is what resonates with them, and they get everything that the film is trying to say. And good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, in the same way as people come away from courageous saying, I want to be a better father. People come away from fireproof saying, I want to be a better spouse. People f- come away from the passion of the Christ and say like, oh my gosh, look what Jesus did for me. I'm not a fan of any of these films, but it is possible for God to use it. And so, you know, you and I are talking about the way we, th- the way it could have worked better for us. Yeah. But that's not to say that it doesn't, it isn't effective for right. someone. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I don't want, so if you are somebody who saw blue like jazz and you were personally affected by it and you got that message out of it, um, you know, I, I don't want you to think that, that we're saying like you shouldn't have yeah, or anything like that. Um, and well, even depends I, on what the message they got was. If the well, message that's they got was that, that message journey, specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the message they got was go on a journey of self discovery and you'll learn all the things that you should, you, right. your church never taught you. Um, and I do think that one of the one of the themes that I think can be a Christian theme, and I think in this case it is put out that way, but this idea of being actually real, mm-hmm. um, because I do think that we in the I remember my my uncle who was uh, who was and still is uh, not a Christian, but he was raised in a Christian household. He he had a uh, saying, which was Christians do out the back door what everybody else does out the front, which is they're just like everybody else, but they hide it. Mm-hmm. Now, that, at first, I always got upset when, that, when he said that, but I do kind of think that can be true. We do act as, like, when we have the stuff, the, the sin that we specifically struggle with individually we play it down or we act like it doesn't happen because we feel as though if we admit our own faults, that will reflect poorly on God somehow. Mm-hmm. But in fact, it's not, I, I found that not to be the case at all. Like the more you put yourself out there and say, this is who I am and this is what I've been forgiven for. Yeah. Then that, I feel like that reflects better on God than somebody who acts as though they're perfect and Oh, spoilers. They're not. Yeah. Someone who has been through a lot of, who's done a lot of things, terrible things in their lives. Those sometimes those are the people who have the strongest testimonies. Right. Um, so one thing that the film, uh, the nature of the, of the arc is this idea of somebody running away from something, trying to distance themselves as much as possible, but they can't have any real peace until they return to that thing. Um, you know, he's running, Donald's running from Christianity. He's running from this thing. He's, he's, he feels betrayed and he just wants to get as far away from it as possible, both 
physically and emotionally and intellectually and he does he does a pretty good job of finding a place that is not at all what he was um but almost in spite of him he finds no peace only when he is willing to deal with this thing head on mm-hmm. and understand what it was what he was really running from only then does he find any kind of real peace mm-hmm. and so there are there are, there are various films that uh, that deal with this and so but I wanted to pick one that I just love and I think is incredibly powerful and that's uh, Vim Vendors's Paris, Texas from 1984 written by uh, Sam Shepard and Sam Shepard title of the movie that whole thing it's all there yeah based on the novel by you know push by by Sapphire Sapphire. so um, and this one and we've already been going for a while so I don't want to spend a whole lot of time detailing this because there's not a lot of plot to this one either (laughs) Uh, Harry Dean Stanton who you may know from Alien and other things I'm sure um uh, he's in uh, The Thing, isn't he? No. He's not? You're thinking of uh, Kurt Russell. That's not what I'm thinking of. I get them confused, too. But so no, he's I, not in The Thing. You sure? Yep. All right. Um, but was he in uh, 16 Candles or Pretty in Pink? I think he's Pretty in Pink. So, um, Let's see what he was in. I I watched... Okay. No, no, I'm, not, I just, I'm wondering what he was in. All right. Yeah, he's been in like... Oh, and he was in Last Temptation of Christ. He plays Paul. Oh, yeah, that's right. And uh, does a wonderful job. He's he's an actor that I really love because he is in the moment. And uh, he when the film starts, he's just wandering around in the desert in Texas. <laughs> and and then he finally gets... And he's just in this daze, and he finally gets found by his brother, played by, by Dean Stockwell. And his brother and his wife... His brother and his his brother's wife, they are taking care of he, Harry Dean Stanton's kid, his son, who he abandoned a long time ago. And so the film is really just him starting to get to know his son and spend time with him. But he is a deeply wounded man uh, for whatever reason. And we don't know when he abandoned his son. We don't know what happened to the mom. But over the course of the film, it becomes clearer and clearer that he's going to have to that he's going to have to try and find the kid's mom for his own kind of deal with his own personal demons. Mm-hmm. And he finally does. And she is, I think, a stripper. Um, she's not a prostitute, but she's like a stripper who like is in one of those like private booths. Yeah. And uh, where so he comes in and sees her, but she can't see him, but he can talk to her. And so he delivers this monologue and she realizes who it is pretty quick. Um, and it's, by the way, I think one of the best monologues, both written and delivered uh, in film. Yeah. So see Paris, Texas. It's astounding. It's very, uh, just in general. Yeah. And Sam Shepard can be, he can go one way or the other as far <laughs> as uh, being like as a writer director. He didn't direct this, but as a writer director, yeah. he can go one way or the other. His films can be incredibly self-indulgent. Or they can be yeah. so so meaningful and and heartbreaking. It's it's amazing how subtle some of his stuff can be when some of it seems to be hitting you over the head with emotion. You know, yeah. like that that is a weird. And so I wanted to um, 
so during this long monologue that uh, Harry Dean Stanton has, uh, I took a snippet of it here, um, and I will read it now. I will not do as good a job as he uh, did, but I'm going to say I'm not far behind. Uh, and he listened to oh, so he he's telling he's telling essentially his story, but he's telling it in the third person. So when he says he, he's referring to himself. And he listened to his son scream, and he was surprised at himself because he didn't feel anything anymore. All he wanted to do was sleep. And for the first time, he wished he were far away, lost in a deep, vast country where nobody knew him, somewhere without language or streets. He dreamed about this place without knowing its name. And when he woke up, he was on fire. There were blue flames burning the sheets of his bed. He ran through the flames towards the only people he loved, but they were gone. His arms were burning, and he threw himself outside and rolled on the wet ground. Then he ran. He never looked back at the fire. He just ran. He ran until the sun came up, and he couldn't run any further. And when the sun went down, he ran again. For five days, he ran like this until every sign of man had disappeared. And that's and that sounds very much like Donald. He just mm. wants to go anywhere he can, and he thankfully has a place he can go. Um, he has a place in mind, but you get the impression that even if he didn't have Reed College to go to, he would still have would just find, started running. Yeah, he would find something to get him away from the, right. the things that hurt him so much. And I, to me, I, the, uh, Paris, Texas compared to something like Blue Like Jazz is that, you know, when, think about the last time in your life you wanted to get away from a person or a feeling or something like that. And you physically went away. It doesn't happen very often. And when it does, it's because you feel not merely terrible. You feel like there is something so much bigger than you going on. And in Paris, Texas, I really got that sense. I mean, this was a life changing thing. And everything just felt so incredibly sad. And like I said, heartbreaking. It does feel like this guy's life is, has just been totally changed. And the, characters in, uh, the character in Blue Like Jazz, his life has been changed as well. Mm. But the sort of the heart-wrenching aspect of, of the soul-searching that his character has to do, I never really got that sense, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's where some of those transitions could come in. Whereas I always got that sense in Paris, Texas. Yeah. And some of that's Harry Dean Stanton. I mean, Marshall Allman is good, but he's not Harry Dean Stanton, yeah. you know? Well, there, there is, uh, to one degree, I kind of like some of that uh, because I feel like the difference between those two characters is though they're both trying to get away from something and they're, they're both searching for something, um, not exactly knowing what they're going to find or mm-hmm. knowing what they're searching for, really. Um, uh, Harry Dean Stanton's character is is in a wasteland, so there's nothing yeah. there's nothing around him. There's nothing he he has nothing but his thoughts and himself to mm. deal with with this search and this angst that he's going through. Um, uh, Donald Miller, on the other hand, is is filling his life with all of these things. Like right. he's found a place where he can he can have constant. Um, especially in the scenes when we see him like drinking a lot or just indulging in this lifestyle. Right. Um, he's, he's filling himself with something. And I think both of those illustrate an idea that's brought up in one of my favorite scenes in the, in blue like jazz. Uh, the 
spiritual poverty. Um, there's yeah. one scene where uh, one of the characters in the movie has gone to India. She's talking about India and uh, some bad things that are happening with refugees in uh, the Kashmir yeah. district or how uh, that that part of India, whatever that is. Um, and someone asks her, like, "Oh, when you see this, what do you? How can you believe that? You know, I know you're a Christian. How can you believe that there's a God? Or like, what do you think about mm-hmm. there being a, a loving God when you're seeing things like this happen?" And she says. Even though things are bad there, um, Mother Teresa said in all the time that she spent in India, she said there was a there was a spiritual poverty that she found in the West that never compared to the physical poverty in yeah. India, and that I think resonated with me. And I hoped I, I hope that people seeing this film recognize that. I hope that's the film. What the the connection the film's trying to make, but also the people watching it see that what he, what Donald Miller is engaged in is spiritual poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, some of even the intellectualism that is happening within the schools, a, a school that prides itself on having uh, students who have an average uh, IQ of 138, which is, what, what would they say, two points above genius or something mm-hmm. like that. There's an intellectualism there that, even though it's held on such a high pillar, is, is an still spiritual poverty in a way because right. it's it's lost in this sea of of uh, clinical intellectualism or the other side of the coin being the uh the wild parties that people have and the the debauchery that he engages in in a way that is is trying to connect with something and trying to find some sort of uh happiness or you know drugs in a lot of ways or are people trying to find um joy yeah. uh, and seeking those things which are true things and and gifts from god seeking them in these other ways is essentially spiritual poverty and i think and i and i agree w- with you that all of that is there but i think part of me would have felt i don't know because he is going through some major things both you know practically in his life but also just philosophically and and being philosophically and that doesn't even feel like the right word because it's just that seems, like you said, clinical. But he's just, you know, he's in an, something of an existential crisis, mm-hmm. and that is no small thing. And so I like the idea of, of him just, just, just binge drinking and trying to do all these things to distract himself from that. But part of me feels like I wish they had shown one or two of the nights in which no matter what he does – at the end of the night, he's still going home. He's still going back to his room, yeah. where there he doesn't have a roommate, which they make note of, mm-hmm. and he's there alone. Yeah, you I, know what I, I mean, like that. I think is what they were missing. I agree with that, and I feel like that's why I say I hope that the filmmakers and the people who watch the film recognize this as the spiritual poverty because I don't know that the film does enough to make that point. Right. I think you get it in this scene, but even the even the fact that I would question whether or not that's how the film's trying to identify his lifestyle makes me think that they probably haven't done enough to, like you said, show us that he is still lost. Like even though all these things are happening, he's like seemingly having fun. He, he really still is lacking something. There's a book that I read in high school that I love, although for the life of me, I can't remember the name of the author. I'm sorry, everybody, but it's called Barabbas. Um, and it is about the, the man who, whose place Christ took on the cross. Mm. Um, 
and it tells the story of him once he's been let go. You know, when people say, give us, you know, give us Barabbas and Jesus will be, will be crucified. And so Barabbas walking around and, and trying to determine exactly what it is that has just happened to him. And because like more than, more than perhaps anybody else, he knows very much what it is to have Christ die for him. Yeah. And just what that means for him. And so like he meets some of the disciples and he, the, the repeated line is, I want to believe but he feels like he can't because this is all just so, cause he wasn't really interested in this stuff at all. And then mm-hmm. suddenly he's, he's thrown into the middle of it. Yeah. And, uh, and when reading that, you get a real sense of this guy just desperately, desperately aware of what he doesn't have and wanting that thing, but also recognizing that he can't just make himself have that thing. Like yeah. he wants a switch to be flipped so that he has it suddenly. Yeah. And it's, it's a torturous book. It's, mm-hmm. it's, short mercifully but it's (laughs) wonderful i highly recommend it i think every christian should read it personally but um but yeah uh and that's i felt like that's what i that's sort of what i wanted and blue like jazz is a it's it's not that genre it's not supposed to be torturous but you know this is still a pretty rough journey for this character and i would like to see more of of that and that's Mm -hmm. you definitely get it with paris texas you know that this guy has seen some demons often of his own making yes yeah but uh but one thing that I wanted to, as we wind up a little, uh, you know, wind, wind down, as we wind things up and wind down, right? Because those are two phrases, but they both mean to end something. Uh, yeah, I think so. No, you wrap things up. Oh. You wind somebody up by getting really, like, excited. Getting mad, like, yeah. Yeah, like Tell whenever. Their, their favorite band is not very good. Ex- so exactly. I wind them up. Or if I, uh, if I start playing with my cat right before Jen goes to bed, she's like, no, 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 don't wind him up because then he's just going to want to come in and bat at me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry. And then I'll just keep playing with him because I'm a jerk. So, um, so as we wrap things up, I did want to speak to that, that idea, because perhaps you've had it as well. I, I, I don't think I've ever had a Donald Miller type experience where I specifically moved away from Christianity and then came back to it. I think I was always there, but I think I've had moments where I realize, oh, I have not been acting on this the way I should, or mm-hmm. I have not been understanding this at all the way I should, or mm-hmm. I, I suddenly have a deeper understanding. Um, I think that's mine, but you know, the, the Bible is very much about reconciliation, you know, people being reconciled to God and as people know one of my favorite stories is the prodigal son but i will read another and i'll read the end of that in a moment but first i uh, will read something from ephesians it's ephesians 2 verses 13 through 17 but in christ jesus you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of christ for he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, uh, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were, ne- who were near. Um, I like that passage. I mean, it's it's somewhat self-explanatory, but it's it's about bringing people in. Like Christianity is actually surprisingly inclusive in that anybody can be it. You don't mm-hmm. earn your way in. 
It's not about your culture. It's not about your race. Not about your money. Not about your money. If you want this, you can have it. And it's a very hard thing to accept, but it is there. Um, and so I will read the end, or if you want, you can read the end of uh, The Prodigal Son. I think I'll do that. Okay. It's Luke 15, verses 20 through 24. And it goes like this. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Um, and for those of you who don't know the story of the prodigal son, it's just uh, there's these these two sons who whose father is fairly well off and one of them decides, you know what? I've had enough of this. Give me my inheritance now and I'm going to go and do my own thing. And he does and he lives it up. He engages in debauchery. One could say uh, what, spiritual, what is it? Uh, uh, poverty. Poverty. Yeah. He engages in some spiritual poverty. Oh yeah. And, uh, and basically just wastes all the money and real, and he's in a pretty, pre- uh, pretty bad shape. And then he decides, maybe I should go back to my father. And he goes fully expecting that his father's going to be like, you're not welcome here. You, you know, you cast us off. Um, and he's going p- fully willing to be like, look, you don't have to take me back as your son, but you could hire me as like a servant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that would be good enough for me. Uh, but then as he's walking up, his father sees him and runs out to him, throws his arm around him. He says, my son is dead, but he's alive. Let's celebrate. Let's do all this amazing stuff. Um, And that is, I think, the perfect image of God, but also it's the image of how we often think, which is this idea of that once we move away, you know, if we ever move away, we feel, or if we feel distance from God and we feel like, I guess I'd go back, but that might not work out for me. But what's interesting is, that son has a much deeper understanding of who his father always was. It's not like his father is suddenly this. His father was always that. Mm-hmm. He didn't know that then. He knows it now. He has a deeper understanding of it. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that you have to do what Donald Miller did. You have to do what the prodigal son does to have a deeper understanding. Instead, try to recognize that this is who God is. God will always welcome you in and that as we said before, God is different than the church. God yeah. will always be there. The church might not always be there. The church yeah. will do things wrong. God does everything right. Um, and I did, there is a, a bit of a poem that I really like. Um, it's by T.S. Eliot. It's called, I think, Little Gidding. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. Uh, there's two Ds, so it's not, it's not guiding. But uh, I really enjoy this, which is, We shall not cease from exploration... And the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. Um, that's such an interesting, it's such an interesting idea that you wind up back where you started and it's the first time you ever actually saw it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there are people I think that are in the church right now, people that have left the church 
and they're kind of in the same place. They don't have an understanding of what God really is. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in the church, then that means there's a number of people you can probably talk to to really understand that God is not merely about following rules. He's not merely about, you know, putting, you know, looking your best on Sunday. It's much deeper than that. Yeah. And and if you're outside of the church, it doesn't coming to the church doesn't require that you will have to judge the people who were your friends. Or right. That, um you will have to uh, you know, become that stereotype that we see in the beginning of the of the film. Like right. they're, they're people feel like they don't want to be one of the crazies. I've heard yeah. I feel like people say several times recently. Um but that's not that's not what Jesus calls people to yeah. and that's not what it means to to follow him. Yeah, it's you don't have to be like these like these Christians that who maybe don't don't do it the best way or they might be a little judgmental. You don't have to be that, but you also don't have to judge it. Yeah. And in fact, you shouldn't judge it. And to take it even farther, it's okay if you are. Like Yeah. If you end up that way, if you make a mistake like that, because we're all going to make mistakes, um, and if your mistakes became this, become the same mistakes that you always feared that you would make, God accepts you the same way regardless. I would say that the, the mistakes we are most afraid we're going to make are the ones we are most likely to make, <laughs> Yeah, because why else would we be so afraid of them? Yeah. Um, so, all right. I feel like we had a good conversation hour and a half that's not bad hey um okay i wanted to let everybody i i wanted to say this uh this one thing i meant to say last episode and i forgot um it would really help me out if you did this thing battleship pretension ha- is releasing these videos these short 10 minute videos in which david and i uh are reviewing a new movie and then we have a guest on to talk about a topic related to that film uh we did one last week uh, in which we discussed the Hunger Games. This week we discussed the movie The Raid Redemption, and we're trying to figure out if we are going to be able to make more of these. Uh, but we won't. One thing we definitely won't be able to do is uh, make more of them if nobody views it. So, if you could do me a favor, head on over to Battleship Pretension. There's a there's a number of things you can click on, uh, but there's a link to our YouTube page. You can watch the video there. You can watch it on the video page. I think I might actually link to it in the in the breakdown uh, for this episode, but it would do me uh, it, it would do me a big favor if you did that. So I appreciate it. Tyler a solid. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you helped out Josh That's and right. this doesn't cost you anything. <laughs> so um, all you get is enjoyment. Ex- well, I found it. I've only seen the first one, but I found it quite interesting. Okay. Josh, it. Josh enjoyed it. So he I can endorse the them thing. almost as much as Tyler enjoys and and endorses propel zero grape that's right i don't think anybody can endorse anything as much as i endorse (laughs) propel zero grape if you take one thing away from this podcast right if you take two it's the god stuff (laughs) first one grape propel zero or grape uh, propel zero grape anyway Hmm. look it doesn't matter how you say it's delicious (laughs) so um, (laughs) it's gonna be a case of that stuff at your doorstep tomorrow oh i would love that so um (laughs) Okay, you can go to morethanonelesson.com and you can read uh, various blogs. Uh, our writers have been churning out some good stuff recently. Uh, I don't know if he's put it up yet. I think he has. But um, Tyler Gunstream 
put out a, a response to a rather controversial uh, Newsweek article that is worth reading. You can follow me, Tyler, at morethanonelesson.com. Wait. No, you can email me, <laughs> Tyler, at morethanonelesson.com. Sorry about that. I did it in the wrong order. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, and that's at morelessons. Uh, you can follow Josh on at, Twitter. At the Josh Long. The Josh Long, and you can also email him, Josh, at morethanonelesson.com. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And I'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.